Hey. Well, hello. <laughs> good to see you. It is so good to be here. Uh, my name is Previn Vang. I'm the pastor here during this uh, time when the church is looking for a, a permanent pastor. And it is a joy uh, to be here every morning. Those of you who are who are watching online, welcome to. If you have been wondering, what is a great time for me to come back? I kind of gotten in the habit of, of just kind of enjoying worship in my pajamas. You know, this is a great time to be back, right? So, so come on back to there. God is doing something in our midst and it's very special. Didn't we enjoy the music this morning? Amen. This is indeed a very special and, and tremendous church. We're looking forward to, to, uh, to be here uh, every Sunday. Let me, let me say that we have been in a longer season here uh, on prayer. And the last three Sundays, we kind of took a deeper dive into how do we pray when things are uncertain, when we can't seem to find God, when everything is going Avery and all that. We looked at, at Habakkuk for, for three Sundays on, on looking for God and waiting for God and, and then finding God in the midst of all uh, that is going on. And we want to kind of continue just a little bit in, in that from Matthew chapter 14. If, if you have learned to find Habakkuk, just go forward a little bit and you'll get, you'll land in, in, uh, in Matthew, the first book of the New Testament. I'm going to read, uh, here beginning in verse 22 in the 14th chapter of Matthew. It will be also on your screen. And it's talking about Jesus here, right? Immediately he, Jesus, made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side. While he dismissed the crowds, uh, while he dismissed the crowd, after dismissing the crowds, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. Well into the night, uh, he was there alone. Meanwhile, the boat was already some distance from land, battered by the waves because the wind was against them. Jesus came toward them, walking on the sea very early in the morning. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. Immediately, Jesus spoke to them, have courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it is you, Peter answered him, command me to come out to you on the water. And Jesus said, come. And climbing out of the boat, Peter started walking on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the strength of the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand caught hold of him and said to him, you of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him and said, truly, you are the Son of God. When they had crossed over, they came to the shore of Gennesaret. You know, this story about Jesus walking on the water has almost become just an idiom. You don't have to be a Christian. You don't have to ever have heard the word scripture or Bible almost if that exists. People have never, they have heard about water. 
I can't walk on water. It's like a t-shirt industry. I can't walk on water, but I can. Yes? Some of you know songs like that. Some of you, when you really kind of get infatuated with someone else, right? And someone else sees that, they say, well, she thinks he can do everything he can even Walk on water. Yeah, we kind of get that notion from that. There are great songs also being, being sung in that great old gospel songs. I don't know that we sing those kind of songs so much anymore. You know, I know a man who can walk on water any time, any place, anywhere. And he can do it in a storm. And he'll be there. Right? Anytime, any place, anywhere. You know, this is a fabulous text, really, on prayer. It will teach us so much about how to relate to God through times of troubled waters. There's so much content in this. I, I, I wondered what should we call a sermon like this or even as a heading for a text like this. Living in a way where you actually need Jesus is, is another kind of, of emphasis here. It is the most intriguing thing when you notice that disciples can have the most incredible experiences with God, with Jesus actually. And, you know, we know it from our own life, but if you look at this particular text, which is written down both in, in Matthew and in Mark and in John, same story, it comes right after they had been with Jesus when he fed 5,000 with just two fish and a few loaves. Imagine. Imagine, and then they get to this and they get worried, had they not learned? And as we go through this, of course, most of us, certainly those of us who grew up somewhat in the scientific kind of uh, mindset, if you will, we find it somewhat difficult and, and there's not been, uh, we're not been short of, of attempt to try to explain this text in, in a way that, that wipes away the miracle, right? You know, highly paid kind of people will, will find a way of, of explaining how, uh, this actually was not Jesus walking on the water, but but uh, since it was night, the disciples couldn't see clearly, and they missed that he was just walking on a reef right below the surface. Yes? And others have been a little bit more ingenious. They say, well, actually, back in the day, before the disciples were aware, there was a long pier going out. And it's kind of been washed away, but the poles were still there. So he was just kind of walking on poles. Here's another one that I thought was kind of intriguing, actually. And they said, no, 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 what happened was... Uh, that there was this big board floating and Jesus stood on the board. In other words, he was the first server ever, right? Um, we just find some of these things intriguing. But let me just say this. If we can believe that Jesus broke the power of death and rose from the death, we would have no trouble with him walking on water. Just saying, Right? And if you can't believe Christ breaking the power of death and rising again, of course, Paul would say, then faith is worthless. 
That is the keystone. So we reread this text as it stands here. And it is so full of power. And I want to walk through it and see what we can learn even about prayer and about relating to Christ through times of troubled waters. Look what we see here. It says that it was Jesus who made them go into the boat. And we can miss this a little bit uh, as that kind of phraseology in English just sounds like he said, well, why don't you just kind of get ahead of me and go out there? But the word that is used is a word of, of compelling it, of forcefully, strongly urging what someone in authority can tell someone who listens to them to actually do. You need to get in the boat and get out there ahead of me. I'll go up to the mountains to pray. They had just been with the whole group. Jesus had dismissed the 5,000 that had just been fed. Like a good Baptist pastor right there, if you read here, right? After he had dismissed the crowd and all that kind of stuff, he came to the disciples. So, they're in the boat. And now, they're in trouble. It was Jesus who had compelled them to go there. They had followed what he told them in obedience. And now when they were a good distance from land, it says here, and if you look at John who tells the exact same story, he says that 25 to 30 stages, which is three or four miles out into the lake. So here they are in trouble. The second time in the the book of Matthews where they're in trouble because of waves and wind and storms and the sea. The first time was in chapter 8 where Jesus stills the storm. But at that time, Jesus was in the boat. But it was somewhat of a lesson. Can you not trust that I will take care of you? And so he was there. But now they were alone. Jesus was not there. He had remained in the land. And really the only reason they were in trouble like they were was because they had been obedient. When he told them to just start without him, so to speak. That may be a good point to learn right here, friends. That just because you are obedient to Christ... You are not guaranteed immunity toward difficulties and struggles. Troubled waters, if you will, will come your way regardless. In fact, if you read biographies and, and, and you see, uh, learn from people that God had used in extraordinary ways throughout all of world history, certainly church history, you would see that these were people often who were known for their obedience to God and they faced unimaginable struggles and difficulties. Almost as if if you're truly obedient to God, you will be guaranteed struggles and difficulties. But then, what about the learning part 
as you come to this, right? Is, is Jesus trying to teach him to learn to trust? You'll see that as we walk through this story right here. If there had never been any rain in their life, it would have been, their lives would have been a desert, so to speak. How do you learn to trust if you ever, never, ever face difficulties? And so here is what we learn here. We see that. And you may wonder uh, why is it that sometimes these truly obedient people face these things? Well, there's something that Christ is teaching those who follow him about trust and about prayer through these times. Think of even in the early church. Stephen, by Acts chapter 7. When he was stoned because of his commitment to Christ and he would not let up. And yet right at that moment when the stones were hailing over him, he looked up and he saw heaven open and Christ was right there protecting him and calling him to himself. At that stoning, there was another man called Saul who later found Christ maybe because of what he has seen in Stephen. We don't know that. But he himself, when he became Paul, he got stoned. Chapter 14, read about it. And what does it say? Because he would not give up his commitment to Christ and his testimony. And the church gathered around him. And he got up. And he continued. Think about the early Christians in Rome. Some of them, they were smeared, they were smeared in oil and they were stuck in a pole and they were used as torches for streetlights in ancient Rome. What was it? Had they learned? How did they learn to trust? It was because of that trust that they had the power to go out. These same early Christians in Rome, it was through their testimony, in spite of what happened to them, that Rome finally turned all of Rome to Christ and became that early bastion that sent out the gospel of Christ through the whole world. I can't read stuff like that. I can't even think of stuff like that without asking myself, how did my life change? What happened What were the kind of moments where I actually learned to trust in such a way that I would step out to the points where I actually need Christ? I want to take a close uh, step even closer to the text. If you're right there, we're not moving fast through it. We're looking deeper into it. And notice that it says that Christ was there on the mountain praying while his disciples were out on the sea fighting with the, with the ocean or the sea there and the winds and the waves. Christ interceding up there, his disciples struggling with the waves down there. If you look in the same story in, in Mark chapter 6, you will see that it clearly spells out that Jesus could see the disciples down there. If you've had the blessing of being able to go down there and you go up and see these hills right there next to it, right starting the Golan Heights, what they call now, you can see the whole Sea of Galilee right there in front of you. Jesus saw them while they 
could not see him. When we later on read about how the disciples stood as rocks in the midst of persecution from Roman military power, when they stood as rocks in the midst of persecution from organized Jewish religions, when they stood as rock, regardless of what came their way, you ask, where did they find that power? Power that seems to be evaporated so many times these days or so many places. Where did they find it? Was it because that through lessons like this had learned that although they could not see Christ, he was still interceding for them as they were struggling with the waves down here? This is not difficult to illustrate, friends. We know now, you know, how drones can fly around and take pictures. Even the fine details read the text of a little box of matches. From way up where we don't see them, we know that that satellites are orbiting the earth that can read even movements of people walking on streets here. We're not seeing any of that, yet they can read us and see us. How is it that we find it so much more difficult sometimes to relate to the fact that although we do not see God Almighty and his son seating at his right hand side, he is still interceding for us as we struggle down here. We sang earlier a song. I don't know if you're aware of that, but it's written by by a good Scandinavian hymn writer, right? How great thou art, translated here to English. There's another great one written by uh, Lena Sandel, who's kind of the Scandinavian version of Fanny Crosby, if you will. Day by day, do you know that song? And with its passing moment, and then it comes a little bit further down, it says, trusting in my father's wise bestowment. I've had no cause to fear or to worry. How do we get there, friends? It's your life, isn't it? Troubles come our way in so many different fashions. Struggles are our ways, and we'll see sometimes how this worked, and this, this text speaks to this. There are so many details, if you look at it, the next question you're going to ask, why did Jesus come in the fourth watch of the night at three in the morning? This, this translation we read from here smooths that out and just says early in the morning. The text actually says in the fourth watch of the night, which is three A.M. Why didn't he go out there? The minute he saw these waves begin to buffet the boat around and to make it scary for the disciples. Now, we talked about that a little bit. 
in the last few Sundays. But there's a different aspect that comes out here. It is as if he wanted the disciples to feel the full strength of that, that, that sea. And only when they realized the futility of trying to save themselves, he showed up and said, it is I. I'm here with you. When they came to the point where they realized only God can now rescue me. Bring the salvation that I need. That's when he stepped in. I'm going to reveal my age here a little bit by simply saying, have you ever heard of Watchman Nee? Oh, some of you are as old as I am. There you go, right? A Chinese a Christian, uh, he wrote a, a tremendous amount of books. Those of you who have not read him, make yourself a favor. Do yourself a favor, right? Read it. It will do your soul good, right? The normal Christian life, for example, is one of them. He gives this riveting kind of... Um, illustration here uh, he was with a Chinese family and, and they were doing everything in the river right there in front of their house they were washing their clothes they were, they were bathing they were doing all kinds of things and yet there was only really one of them that could actually swim and, and so as it would have it at one time when he was there uh, one of the brothers kind of got swept up in the current and he couldn't swim and the swimming brother just sat there and looked at him and didn't jump in to save him. And, and Watchman Nee explains kind of how he feel, felt anger kind of welling up in him. Why is he not helping him out? He can swim. And then when it looked like the brother was going down for the third time, he jumped in, rescued him, and took him out. So Watchman Nee tells you he confronted him later on. Why did you wait? And he said, if I jumped in, when he still thought he could save himself, he might have killed both of us. I needed to wait till he'd given up and let me to pull him up. Isn't that a true lesson sometimes? It's when we give up that God takes us up, right? We allow him to do the salvation and giving us his strength. So much to learn right here question is if we live with that clear awareness that although we don't see him there he is there interceding for us even as we continue to trust and to ask for his guidance and intervention let's go on as he come to them through that difficulty, he's walking on that lake, on these waves, troubled waters below him. And what happened? They didn't recognize him when he came. In the midst of their fear, they turned to their superstition, like all these other stupid things you hear all the time. Oh, let me go there. Yes? And they didn't recognize him when he came. 
Uh, I could give you illustrations for that. Some of them are, uh, are not too pretty. I've, I've had even church members before. They had told me things they had done. And they say, well, when you get to my point, you're willing to try anything. And sometimes because I knew that I could do get away with that without just being mean. I said, have you tried the one thing you have not mentioned when you mentioned all the list of things you tried? Have you tried to pray? See, so often we just, when trouble come our way, we, we move to all these other things. And so here they are in the midst of this. And they didn't recognize him when he came. And we don't know what he looked like specifically. We know uh, at an earlier time when, when he came uh, in the Mount of Transfiguration, his divinity shone through his, his humanity. And that might have been what was the case there also. So, so that might be what it was. But still, we all have issues, do we not? Difficulties, struggles. We, you know, people struggle in school, at home, at the job, at family, and with addiction and with habits and so many things that become ours. And here's the point. Right when things look the worst, Jesus will be ready to walk straight in to your life. Yes? Question is, do you recognize him? When he comes. See, the disciples were not looking for him, really. They thought he was up there. But here was. He comes walking straight in to their lives. I think I was, I think I was late teens. I found a book on my father's shelf, a biography. Uh, about <clears throat> William Carey. Some of you know who he is. He was the founder of what we now call the modern uh, missionary movement. Uh, he was Baptist from Britain, early 1800s. And I put, picked up that book. I was uh, very intrigued with all kinds of biographies at the time. So I saw, oh, there's one I hadn't, hadn't read. It was in Danish. Uh, so whether it's translated, I had no idea whether it exists in English. I don't know. But that was then. But it left such a mark on me that I have never, ever forgotten it. And it's not that there's not been other books coming cross my shelf. After all, I am a professor, right? So reading, people say, what do you do? I read, right? A few other things, but you know what I'm saying. Here he is, William Carey, Baptist. So much is known about him. He went to India and he worked and worked tirelessly. He wanted to translate scripture into a multitude of these different languages in India. And so it looked after years upon years upon years that he had gotten to his goal. This was it. He had built this great printing press. They collected, you know, mountains of paper. They carved out 
fonts to be able to print scripture in these languages and fonts they didn't have. They were ready, had collected, also gathered a group of, of people to help him translate into 12 different Indian uh, languages. And then, and then, on March 11, 1812, the whole thing burned down. And what I remember the most of, from that book was what is said when he came that morning of March 12, 1812. And he walked up, and I'm a server describing this, and he walked up and stood in the middle of the embers of all this that he worked for for a lifetime. And he says, he has made me humble that I may look more directly to him. Recognizing Jesus, having learned to trust that although he couldn't see him, he knew he saw him. And that he would come walking to him, even on these embers. And he will rescue him. Most of us will never get in a situation like this. Maybe, maybe because we stayed in the boat when Jesus said, go out onto the sea. I mean, maybe we stayed on land instead of getting in the boat when Jesus said, go out unto the sea. It's a difficult, difficult thing to learn from people like this. The news came back to England. It looked like a catastrophe. But when the news came back, what was just a little article on, on back pages and, and what have you, it became front page news and every, every denomination there, whether they were Anglicans or Baptists or whatever, all of them began to collect money and so much money came in they had to stop the collection, believe that. Now we knew that was not in America, that would never have happened, right? But they did. That was what happened, and it was so much. And even in India, people who never even heard of him began to heard about it, and they said, who is this man? What is his message? And they came to Christ. It was so much. At the end of his life, William Carey himself said, the greatest thing that ever happened to the mission in India happened on the night that the printing press burned down I don't almost know how to say another word friend but look how it continues and let me just end by this when Jesus cries out Lord if it is you tell me to come to you and he said it is me it is I come a personal call to you, to you, to you, to you, to you, those of you who are wherever you are watching online. For all of us, it's a personal call.
call. Christ comes personally. That doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Everything is just taken care of. Notice what happened to Peter. He steps out full of faith. But then he saw all the winds, how hard they were. It was so tough. And he began to wonder. But Jesus still reaches down and pulls him up. This is a great, great sentence. But when he saw the strength of the wind, he became afraid. And Jesus heard his cry and pulled him up. And then what happens? Spontaneous worship. Look at that. Right after that. When they got into the boat and the wind ceased, they all began to praise him. You are the son of God. And in the verses that continue, the word gets out to the whole region. Imagine this, friends. I'm going to ask you to stand. Why don't you stand right now? I want to give you a call to come down and pray. Some of you may want to come and pray with someone else. Some of you may want to say, I need to meet this Jesus you're talking about. Give my life to Christ. Others may want to say, I want to be part of this church. But think of this. What if when we met, that was our conversation? We got together here because we have learned to trust in Jesus And we couldn't wait for Sunday to come or Wednesday or some other time. We could get together and tell our friends what Jesus had done in our lives this week. Powerful story on Jesus walking on troubled waters. As the disciples, that's us, cries out. Come to me. And he says... It is I. I'm here. Father, we ask that your Holy Spirit will be sent to us here in this room and those who watch also online. We ask that you move in our hearts. Rescue us as we sang before from our own traditions and and just the way we have done things. And let us just listen to you for the sake of life the sake of your kingdom our families our neighborhoods we need to hear you speak and say it is I come on we ask you to do your work even now as this time is for prayer as we sing speak to us O Lord